Um, my name's Julia, and I'm the um, campus pastor out here at um, Life Church in Salwyn. And um, yeah, it's awesome to have you here. Um, we we had an awesome weekend last weekend. It was so great. After the service, we had um, four baptisms, which was super exciting for us as a as a campus. And um, we got to do them in Dan and Susie's spa, which was a toasty 35 degrees. How was it? Was it? 35 at Salwood, at um, Levita. Don't think it was 35. No. Um, it was a pretty good deal. Um, but after the, the baptisms, um, me and my husband and I, we um, jumped on the road. We headed up to Nelson for a few days to, um, to go spend some time with Ben's family. And um, that was great. So we were driving up to Nelson, and then we are just recently married as well, and my grandparents couldn't make it down uh, for our wedding, and because my grandfather's been really sick, and so we drove via Blenheim and drove home that way, which was a little bit longer, but was a beautiful trip. Um, but as we were, you know, driving that road between Nelson and Blenheim, there was a signpost, uh, you know, what are they called? Billboard, billboard sign, and it said, um, "Mistakes happen. Your speed determines the outcomes." I was like, "Hmm, I haven't, I haven't seen that one before. Has anyone else seen it?" I was like, hmm, interesting. Actually, it was pretty warm up here. I'm just going to take this off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I was like, yeah, okay. Like, and it was obviously a long drive from through to Blenheim and then drive to Christchurch. And I just, my mind kept coming back to it. And I was just kind of pondering it a little bit. And I was like, I feel like there's something more in that than just, you know, good, cautious driving. And... I feel like we spend so much time pushing and working out how to go faster in our life, how to be more, more efficient, maximizing our productivity. We're mid-July already, and does anyone feel like they aren't sure where this year has gone? Yeah? Have I got some friends? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I've said to a couple of people, and they're like, how's your week been? I'm like, good. Man, Sunday's come back around quick. Like, they just keep coming. Yeah. I'm like, now don't get me wrong, those things like efficiency and productivity, all those things are really important, right? But if we don't have checks and balances in our lives, then when mistakes happen, and mistakes do happen, right? Yeah. Our speed can determine the outcome. Right. Now, this message today isn't about the power of the plod or anything like that, but about an important check and balance in our lives that helps keep us grounded, connected, and focused. Pausing and praying. It has the greatest power to determine the outcomes in our lives. Team, can I grab a timer, please? There are so many different ways we pray. Out of desperation, thankfulness, need, practicing gratitude, anger, Frustration intentionally, unintentionally. Has anyone led an unintentional Jesus at some point? In a structured form, others in more unconventional forms. With fancy words, sometimes in those moments of desperation, with naughtier words. Out of ritual, out of rawness, out of testing, out of relationship. With words, with thoughts, with heart cries, with good vibes. People pray in different ways to different things. And I don't think I've ever come across someone who has never, ever prayed at some for, in some form at some point in their life. Right. We are often drawn to prayer in times when we are in need, 
of something that is bigger than ourselves. We can hear stories of amazing answers to prayer, and I know that even within this room, there are some of, those, some of you that have those stories. That's one of the great strengths about being in community. A few weeks ago, even um, at church in our office, we had one of the old ladies popped in to give me a wedding present, and she was asking us about some things, and she said, oh, she said, you know that I'm not meant to be alive, right? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> She's like, yeah. She's like, in my 40s, they told me that I would die. I was like, whoa, 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 back the truck up. Like, I have not heard this story. I've heard lots of your stories, but I haven't heard this one. Like, tell me this one. And she had a medical condition, and the prognosis was not good in any way, shape, or form. And she said she went to the doctor's office, and they were going to perform surgery, and God wrote across the wall. Like, she could visually look and see it, let no man touch her. And it was a promise that God was going to heal her. I was like, excuse me? She's like, yeah, like, clear as day. She walked out, told her husband, and he was like, are you for real? And she was like, that's pretty out there. She's like, yep. And then she went and had a scan, and the, the, all the medical people started kind of freaking out because they could see certain things shifting and moving under the scan, could see God healing her. She's now in her, I think, early 80s. She will never tell us her age, so it's just speculation. <laughs> but um, she's like, yeah. And just for a minute, she's like, I know that God heals. I'm, I'm meant to be dead. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. I'm like... I don't know if that builds anyone else's faith, but it definitely built mine, right? There can also be times and seasons when we struggle with praying. It feels awkward. We pray out loud. It can be hard to find the words. We're not sure if we're doing it right. We can feel like God doesn't hear us or have much to say in return. I remember when my younger sister, who has special needs, was diagnosed with cancer. And I went that night to my life group, and I remember sitting on my life group leaders' couches, and I was normally someone who could pray with faith for other people's circumstances. I have prayed with healings. I have seen healings in my own life. I've seen them happen in front of me, amazing, miraculous things. But when it came to my own family and the overwhelming news that it was cancer and what we were going to have to go through from that point, all I could sit was go, God, God, not something else. God, not again. And there was no prayer of faith in my heart. And I remember sitting on the couch and just sobbing. I mean, like, ugly, ugly cry on the couch. Well, I watched my beautiful life group sit there and pray over the situation, the things that in their own space, I couldn't pray myself. I didn't have it within me. But they prayed that, they would guide this, that God would guide the surgeon's hands that there would be an incredible sense of peace over our family, which remarkably there was as we walked through that season. There was an incredible outcome, as the surgeons had told us that she, the nerves and stuff that they had to um, cut through and operate on, that she might never smile again. But amazingly, God guided their hands, and she had no overall damage to that stuff. She was perfectly um, fine in that area, and which was just amazing. Yeah. But sometimes we need community, because sometimes it's hard, and we don't have it within ourselves to yeah. do that. And then sometimes our prayers don't get answered the way that we think they should. And this can be big for people. It can be reasons why many walk away from God, and many walk away from church. And it can be a journey to unpack it. And we don't always get the answers the way we hoped we would. If this is you, can I encourage you to go on the journey? You might not get the answer you are looking for, 
but it is possible to still find peace. Prayer can still be a really important part of our lives and something that is really important to growth in our relationship with God. Jesus gave us an example of how to pray when his own disciples asked him to teach them in Matthew 6. Many of you might know it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus shows us that there is a bigger picture that we are connecting with when we pray. As we look through the Lord's Prayer, we can see, we can pray about his kingdom. We can pray about our needs. We can talk with him about restoration and healing of our past and mistakes. We can pray about what is coming up and his guidance over it. And we are reminded again of how big and incredible this God is who wants to be with and communicate with us. And what's even more amazing is now we get to pray with the authority of a resurrected Jesus whose spirit is within us. So even that wasn't the case when he was teaching the disciples. Like, guys, this has leveled up since then, right? I've had a book that I've been reading for a while, and I've just recently got back into it, knowing that I wanted to speak on this. And part of it talks about a move of God that hadn't happened in the art of Hebrides between 1949 and 1953. Does anyone know about it? Oh, there's a few. The, the English are like, yep. Okay, I don't even know where the art of Hebrides was, so here for the benefit of everybody else. Um, so it is just to, in the little Google dot, just to the north of the United Kingdom, and the next one, if we slide along... Pretty much the middle of nowhere, up in the north of Scotland, right? And see that little place where the red thing is? Um, that's where this started. So I want to tell you a story about this place. Um, and this is a bit of an excerpt from the book, Dirty Glory, which is an awesome book about prayer if you wanted to read one. So a majority of the population in the Outer Hebrides surrendered their lives to Christ. Empty churches were repopulated with young people, there were miraculous signs and wonders, and the entire fabric of the Hebridean society was transformed by the gospel, all in just four years. Wow. Those who lived through those days described the Holy Spirit sometimes seeming to hover over specific geographical areas so that anyone who stepped into those particular zones could feel his presence tangibly and undeniably. On one occasion at a prayer meeting in the village of Arnold, which was just a little bit south of where that marker was, the room physically shook as people cried out in prayer to God. In parts of the aisle, 75% of those who gave their lives to Christ did so in one night and did so before even reaching the evening meeting. Workmen knelt on the side of the road repenting of their sin. Housewives woke in bed feeling deeply disturbed by the state of their souls, not daring to wait to get right with God in the morning. Young people traveling in groups to get their lives right with God would travel away from parties in order to go to church. So how did it begin? It started in a tiny village of Barvas, where that little marker was. Two elderly sisters named Christine and Peggy Smith. Names of good revivalists, right? <laughs> Sat by their fire in prayer. One, 82, doubled over with arthritis. The other, 84, 
and blind. Is anyone else feeling encouraged that maybe God could use them? (laughs) They might not have physically been able to do much anymore, but they knew how to pray. This night, particular night, their souls were burdened for the absence of young people in their churches. They poured their hearts out to heaven over it. Suddenly, one of the women saw a vision of young people filling the church. Many would have passed over or dismissed it. But they had a sense that it was God. And so the woman prayed. They called the minister and told him he needed to get ready. Revival was coming. He asked them what he should do. They looked at him and said, what should you do? Then replied, you should pray, man. So they struck a deal with him. He would gather others to pray two nights a week in a barn at the other end of town, and they would do so from their part of town, from 10 p.m. till 3 a.m. in the morning. Now, I alone think that that is a miracle that they could get people to pray then. Anyone else? And so the prayer meeting, the famous prayer meetings began because they were convinced that God had given a promise. And this is the part that struck me. And it was their job to pray it into being. There were no immediate answers, no further visions, and no teenagers showing up. But still, they were praying through till 3 a.m. in the morning. They did this for many weeks. And then one night, one of the men read from Psalm 24. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart? He then said, I love this, it is just so much humbug to be waiting thus night after night, month after month, if we ourselves are not right with God. They nodded and he continued, I must ask myself, is my heart pure? Are my hands clean? And he lifted his head and emitted a strange cry then fell to his knees and crumpled on the floor. The barn was suddenly filled with the presence of God. It was a moment that would later be identified as the catalyst that let loose the power that shook the Hebrides. As I read this, my heart was excited because I couldn't help but wonder and pray if in this season that we have been on, of cleaning and healing and mending our nets in our lives as a church and personally on our journeys. That maybe over the last few months, this would become a catalyst for us to pray into reality the promises that God has given us. Significant things can change when we pray. It's not us twisting God's arm trying to convince him of what he should do, but instead more often allowing him to move us where he needs us to be for him to be able to work through us. A sense of walking together through life. Have you ever had a moment when God just took your breath away when something beautiful, with something beautiful in creation and you just got to share that moment together? What would it be like if we shared more of our moments together with God? What if throughout the day he could call our attention to the things that were weighing on his heart and that were of concern or care to him? Prayer is something that we learn and that we can always be growing in. How do we do that? Now, I don't claim to have all this all completely sorted out by any means, but there's a few things that have helped me over the years, and I wonder if they might help you as well. 
So firstly, practice. It can be raw, but it's important and it's real. We can talk to God about anything. Isn't that amazing? We can be creative in the questions that we get to ask God as well. Rather than just telling him the things that we think he needs to do or the things that we want, can ask him, what is, he's seen the whole earth. What has he seen that day that's brought, brought joy to his heart? Right. What are the things that he's excited about? What are the things that are burdening him? What are the things that he wants to share with us or show, with us, show us? So just like in a marriage, we work out how to listen and how to communicate... We're learning that, right? <laughs> Especially in those early times, and you're like, oh, you do things differently to me. But, <laughs> but it's good, because if you talk about it, then you understand it, and it grows in the relationship. We also learn these skills in our families, in our friendships, in our workplaces. We learn how to communicate. We learn how to listen. We learn how the other person is wired. I mentioned earlier that my sister had special needs. Now, her issue is with language, not with communication. Like, she's got things that she wants to say, but her issue is that the muscles around her mouth often mean that it's hard for her to communicate that. And after years of speech therapy and all that sort of stuff, her speech has improved significantly. But for the majority of people in the room, if you heard her speak, you might struggle to understand what it is that she's talking about. Now, I can say that most of the time, probably 90% of the time, I can get what she's talking about. There's the occasional time when I'm like, Anna, and it doesn't help as well if she's got a mouthful of food and she's trying to tell you something. And I'm like, come on, man, throw me a bone here. Like, help me out in this. And then she has a wee laugh and she swallows and then she tells and you can understand. But because I know her so well, I know the things that are wired to her. And even though her language sounds different to a whole lot of other people, I know what it is that she's talking about because I know her so well. And I think our relationship with God can be the same. As we grow closer with him, we learn and recognize what his voice is. What are the things he's speaking to us about? What are the things that are important to his heartbeat? Patience is important. The power of learning the conversational nature of prayer. Learning that it's also important to listen, sometimes even more than we talk to listen for his voice in response to what it is that we have to say to him, to be available when he wants to speak. Jill, um, one of our founding pastors, her and her husband, Paul, founded this church. She would always say, she would pray, God, please speak like so loudly that I can't miss you. Initially, when I heard that, I was like, are you allowed to pray stuff like that? But it's one that I fall back on regularly. Because I think God knows our heart when we don't want to miss him, but sometimes in the noise of our world, we can miss it. But it's a good one to pray, Lord, speak so loudly that I can't miss what you're saying. I feel like it should come with a disclaimer, because sometimes that can change your world. It's also about partnership. As I said, there were times with Anna when I couldn't pray for that stuff because I just, it was too real, too raw. But to be in community of people that can pray that over you, but also where you can learn how to pray. Like, oh man, you want to get around Lorraine Zurich if you want to learn how to pray for the nations? If you want to see things shift and change in spiritual 
and spiritual realms over people's lives. Like, man, you get in a prayer circle with her at a prayer meeting and you'll learn some stuff, right? Or I remember one time at church, um, there was a friend, she, uh, another friend actually came and got us and said, hey, I need you to come and pray. One of our friends felt uh, something was strangling her around her throat, like real strange, right? It was just after church, it was amazing, and we were like, this is weird. And so we were doing our best prayers, and we were praying over these things, and we were like, man, but this thing was not budging. She just felt like it was choking her. And we were like, uh, okay, we need to go get the big guns. And so we went and got Jill, and I remember Jill came and sat down, and holy moly, like she didn't raise her voice, but there was an authority in her voice, and she prayed, and that thing started to shift, and her throat started to be released, and it, it lifted. And I remember sitting there, and there were two reactions. Firstly, I was like, whoa, that's amazing. And secondly, I was like, I prayed in the same name of Jesus. How come that thing didn't budge when I prayed? Right? And I was a little bit ticked about it, if I'm honest. And I, went, I talked to Jill, and I was like, how come it went when you prayed and it didn't when we did? And she's like, the years of prayer and fasting, the years of learning and authority of Jesus over those things. So we get around people and it encourages us to go deeper, to ask them questions, to learn these things. One of the first scriptures that I learned off by heart was, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I have to say, I learned that as a disclaimer because my tendency was to be anxious. And I was finding I was being overwhelmed at times by these anxious feelings. But that promise was a rem- that scripture was a reminder that any time that anxiety started to come, that that was not God's call for my life. That was not his will. Instead, it was an opportunity for me to learn how to pray about those things. It says about everything, in every situation. How often will we go, oh, I'll pray about this, but not about this? Or, oh, no, I just need to sort this out. I'll work this one out. Like, that's not the promise. Anything, in every situation, we can pray and we can ask God about it. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding. That is every situation. Every situation you're facing at work. Every situation you're facing in your family. Every day you go out, no matter where you go, everywhere you go, over anything, the peace of God can transcend it. It can guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is goals, right? I don't feel like any of us have it nailed, but this is what we aspire to. That is naturally, as we breathe, we can be in partnership with God. Acts 17, 27 says, God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God in us, working through us together, 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm challenged by the thought when I look around at things in this world that are wrong, that don't seem right, and I want to go, God, why don't you do something about it? But I often hesitate. Because what if he replies, why don't you? There is incredible power in prayer and things are going to happen in our life. And prayer can play such a massive part in determining the outcome and the part we play in it. See, God wants to see his kingdom established here on earth. The stuff that's wrong, he wants to see made right. And he wants to do it through us. And part of the way that he does that is by us praying in and ushering in his kingdom. The team comes back, and as we sing the song, The Blessing, and we talk about from generation to generation, I pray that we catch in our hearts that as we pray and that as we are growing, we are seeking something that is so much bigger than ourselves. And it has the power to shape the generations that will come after us. and will become the foundation which they stand upon. Like two old ladies praying to God for their nation, I pray that prayer will become a center part again of what we are doing, that our heart's desire will be to seek his kingdom, to seek his will, to position ourselves to be available for his plans and his purposes for his heart to beat in time with ours. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.